The Alabama Crops Report Podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hey everybody, welcome in to another episode of the Alabama Crops Report Podcast. I'm Scott Graham, Extension Entomologist, and we're going to have a little different feel today. We've got a, a stand-in co-host, uh, Dr. Steve Brown's here with us. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing well this afternoon. Good to be with you, Scott. Good. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to come and, and talk a little bit with us. I'm glad to do this. This is great uh, to banter back and forth about information delivery to farmers. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank yep, you. Yep. You know, sometimes you got to pull some folks off the bench and put them in the game and see how they play. So. Does that mean I'm a pitch hitter and, and not, I'm not, I can't be a regular yet? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see how you do and, <laughs> and we'll go from there. <laughs> okay. Now, our, uh, our guest today is our resident dirt doctor, the soil scientist, Audrey Gamble. Audrey, how's it going? It's going good. Scott, I'm just trying to train you not to call me dirt doctor. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So we were kind of talking and, and before we get started, we've decided we're going to put our guest under the gun. We want you to give us one fun fact about Audrey Gamble. Okay, so my fun fact is still soils related. Is that, I mean, I still think it can be fun, even if it's soils. We'll, so. we'll, be, we'll determine whether or not it's fun. <laughs> so on uh, on the side is one of my hobbies. I do a lot of pottery. So in, in the evenings, I'll get my hands dirty again, make some pottery, uh, throw it on the wheel, and, and see how it turns out. Now, is this, a, is this a foot crank wheel, or are you it, automated? It's not a foot crank, but it's it's it does have a foot pedal. It's yeah, automated, yeah. yeah. Well, I have a related question. How did you become a soil scientist? What's your background in agriculture that got you to the place that you are today? So I have a little bit of a roundabout uh, way that I ended up in soil science. So I grew up on a farm in Headland, Alabama, uh, cotton and peanuts and cattle. And when I went to college, I really enjoyed chemistry. I majored in chemistry. And I did enjoy uh, doing my undergrad in chemistry here at Auburn. Um, but I always had a love for agriculture. And I started working for Julie Howe, who was our uh, soil chemist at the time. And she put me on a project as an undergraduate to look at iron chelate products for iron deficient soybean in the Black Belt region of Alabama. And I thought, okay, this is awesome. I get to use my chemistry background and still, you know, be connected with agriculture too. And I really loved that. I was a lot more able to see the implications of my research than I was, you know, on the the lab bench in an organic chemist's lab. So I did my master's with her, with Julie Howe, and then went on to University of Delaware to do my PhD and came back to Auburn. Came back home. Well, that's good. Yeah. So was it too cold in Delaware? Or? It was cold. I do. I do miss seasons. You know, I could use the snow here and there. How many crops in Delaware? Or is it vegetable yeah, crops? Actually, there are. So in, I always say that Southern Delaware looks a lot like Headland, Alabama, because you've got the coastal plain soil, so it's really sandy. You've got a lot of chicken houses. Now the difference is you have a lot of corn and soybean, so not a lot of peanuts or cotton. Uh, they grow a lot of watermelons a lot of lima beans. So it's a pretty heavily agriculture state towards the southern portion. You know, in the north, it's it's more urban. Good. I, I, that was, that's a neat fact. That's another neat fact about you. So Go blue hens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know what the University of Delaware's mascot is. We're just learning yes. all kinds of stuff. So, all right, Audrey, we, we got you on today to talk about uh, cotton and, and getting ready to, for side dressing. And before we do that, Steve, do you want to give us just kind of, uh, and it's hard to generalize where we are right now in cotton in Alabama as we, we sit here late June. But. The latter part of June, we're, we're looking at uh, a crop overall that's fairly late 
and therefore we need to probably manage it a little bit differently. Maybe Audrey will make some comments in that regard. The rains of Tropical Storm or the remnants of Tropical Storm Claudette have probably recharged soil moisture over much of the state. So really, and we've recovered from from early thrips injury to any that existed, which existed in a lot of places. Uh, so we're really poised to grow fairly aggressively, and, and even the, the persisting prevailing forecast over the next weeks tends to be average or above average rainfall with moderate temperatures, and that's a, that's a strong combination for aggressive cotton growth. So we hope that's going to happen, and it'll be a crop that we can manage but also mature rather quickly since it is on the late side throughout much of Alabama. Yeah, I've, I've seen the last week, I've seen cotton up to 13, 14 nodes, and I've seen cotton with, you know, three or four true leaves yeah i've seen cotton just coming out of the ground so yeah. it's it's we, we've got some late cotton but uh hopefully we'll have some favorable weather to consistently keep growing rather than be stopped uh from a significant stress period so so audrey does, does that cause any major complications for farmers thinking about trying to get nitrogen and stuff out with the range of crop they have Yeah, Steve and I have talked about this a little bit. Uh, You know, right now throughout the state, you've got some farmers that are already getting, you know, their side dressing maybe this week if they can get in the field. And then you've got others who it's it's pretty far away um, at this point just for that late planted cotton. And one of the factors that comes into play when you have that late cotton is you don't want it maturing too late, obviously. And so, you know, we have a, a little bit of a suggestion to back off on nitrogen a little bit in that situation um, and really push it towards maturity. Um, but for that, for the cotton that was planted on time, which which we have all seen, um, you know, getting out the, the rate, your regular side dress rate, which you know, it varies depending on your soil type and, and where you are, but that base recommendation of 90 pounds over the course of the growing season is about what we would shoot for there. And primarily we're recommending split applications, right? Mm-hmm. About our, our typical application would be a third at plant and then two thirds at side dress. And side dress meaning, you know, we're, we're trying to get it out between first square and first bloom. And I like to try to shoot for that first square time period and that way if it's you know the conditions just aren't favorable for a while you still have that window to get in there and and get out your nitrogen on time. Are you talking exclusively nitrogen or some other elements that you might think about side dressing? I think our number one concern is going to be nitrogen um, but certainly we want to make sure we're getting our sulfur applications out by our side dress time so typically we're going to recommend 10 to 15 pounds of sulfur for a good cotton crop here at all the time in soil fertility world but we don't get as much sulfur from the atmosphere as we used to we have cleaner fossil fuel emissions we have less sulfur deposition and so we do have to think about sulfur fertilizer application so a lot of time that's going out with your you know if you're putting out an ammonium a fertilizer with, a, with an ammonium sulfate blended in, you're already getting it. Or if you're putting out a 28% UAN solution that has, you know, 5% sulfur, you're getting the sulfur you need there. So just depending on, on what source of nitrogen you're using, you may or may not have to think about a supplement for sulfur. Or you, what about boron? I know it's an important element. We're not, we may or may not put it out with a side dress, but what are you, what's your boron recommendation? Boron recommendations in Alabama are getting out between a third to a half a pound per acre. And that can go out, you know, with your side dress applications. It, a lot of people are putting out foliar with, you know, a few separate applications. Um, but we want to just make sure that we're getting out at least a third of a pound. And 
a lot of times we may not see a response to boron in the field, but we put it out as an insurance. And so I always say, if you're going to put out boron, do it right and make sure you get that third of a pound out. Um, Because a lot of products these days will have very low amounts of boron. And if you apply them at the recommended rate, it may have 10 times less. I've even seen 100 times less than, you know, there are recommended amount of boron. So just making sure that you look at the percent boron in that product and get out the, the correct amount, I think is important. Okay, back to nitrogen, since that's really your most important thing you're doing when you're when you're talking about side dress application. But Tropical Storm Claudette dropped anywhere from probably six or eight inches to maybe down to two inches over much of the state. Does that have any impact on how a farmer should think about his side dress application and his total nitrogen approach this year? Yeah, it, it depends on where the cotton was when, you know, they're getting these significant rainfalls. I mean, if, if they have not side dressed yet, um, I, I would not necessarily in, increase it that much just because, like you said, we haven't, we have a late planted crop and everything. In sandy soils, we will probably get some leaching loss and we might get some denitrification loss um, to the atmosphere. So, but a lot of that is, is still going to be hanging around in the, the subsoil layer. So, you know, if we if we got a heavy rain at a time after we had put out side dress applications, I might say, you know, add another 10 pounds or, or something along those lines. Is that about what you would yeah, yeah. consider too? Yeah. Would, would there be a difference with the type of nitrogen they put out? In, in that case, no. But there are some different considerations for different nitrogen sources. And the biggest one is going to be urea. And that's going to be if we're looking at a, a dry spell. So with urea, we can get, you know, 20 to 30 percent volatilization or nitrogen loss in the worst case scenario. So if we've got, you know, good soil moisture, but it's dry and windy and hot outside, we can we can lose significant amount of of nitrogen. So if we're not going to get a rain for an extended period of time, then we would put something like a urease inhibitor, NBPT, agritain on that urea to make sure it stays in place. But once it's in the soil, most of our nitrogen that's applied, it's it's going to be converted to nitrate anyway. So we put out ammonium forms and then within a couple of weeks, most of that nitrogen is going to be in the um nitrate form anyway and that's what's susceptible to leaching so regardless of what source you're putting out if you just have significant rainfall after putting out side dress applications then you might consider supplementing a little bit so somebody would have put some out two weeks ago mm-hmm. or a week ago and then we just had this claudette was that its name yeah tropical storm mm-hmm. claudette wouldn't matter now you wouldn't say one form of nitrogen i don't know what the i'm just a bug man i don't know exactly how to say it but one type of nitrogen wouldn't be better in that situation than the other not that might be not real not in a sandy soil no what's the most common form of nitrogen put out in our side dress applications i would say uh, there's a lot of uan going out so that's a urea ammonium nitrate uh, is that a liquid or a solid? That's a liquid. Is that 28005? Um, mm-hmm. 28005 or, or 30, um, 32%. Um, and then uh, urea and then a 34.00. But like I said, eventually in the soil, that's all going to get converted into nitrate by soil microorganisms. So are we using less and less ammonium nitrate because of concerns, I guess? I mean, we're definitely still using it. A lot of times it's being blended with, you know, either ammonium sulfate or you, I, I can't just go into a store and buy 3400 because 
you know, the because of the fear of um, making bombs. <laughs> can we say that on the podcast? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> you can. What, what about for the uh, the farmer that's put out two tons of chicken litter up front? What, how, how do you, what's your side dress approach in that situation? So if I'm a farmer and I put out about two tons of chicken litter prior to planting, I'm going to estimate that I have about 30 to 60 pounds of in available during the cotton growing season because it's it, the amount of chicken litter available is going to be highly dependent on the soil moisture, the temperature, when you put it out in relation to planting. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to want to get to that 90 pounds as my base um, rate for nitrogen for cotton. And so, you know, putting side dressing between 30 to 60 pounds is is probably the range that I'm going to be in if I've put out two tons of chicken litter already. Okay, you said a couple of times you've used the number of 90 pounds, which I think your research has confirmed. That's a good target for us. Uh, talk about when you tweak down and reduce that slightly, or maybe you might bump that up. Just what situations would be, hey, let's reduce it a little bit, or let's, let's be a little more aggressive. Yeah, it's a little bit of an art because there's so many factors affecting nitrogen availability in soils. It's different from phosphorus and it's different from potassium because you have so many different loss pathways. So here's some of the situations in which I would tweak it down. So if I've had a good, healthy legume cover crop that I've terminated before plant, that would be a situation where I may back off a little. Now, Kit Balcom at USDA ARS Lab here in Auburn, um, his research has shown basically a, a benefit, you know, about 50 to 60 percent of the time from that legume cover crop over, you know, a significant number of years. And so, um, it can be variable, but with a good, healthy legume crop, I think we can back off a little bit. If we've seen excessive growth in previous years, we've had issues with disease and insect pressure. Even though it makes Scott happy to see those extra insects, it doesn't make everyone happy. So I might back off a little bit in that case. Only in the research plot. <laughs> and then let's see. So in some cases where I might bump up. I mean, if we're in a really high yield potential scenario and I've seen inadequate growth in the past, I might bump that rate up a little, but I don't want to go higher than 120. Is that what you, what's your limit, Steve? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I remember you and I, the first year I was here, I did a study and I couldn't have, I could have drawn it up in the, in my office. The 90 was right on top of the number. And um, I, it's hard to argue with that. And I, I think if we do anything because we've made some really good yields in places and we, we you know we made two bales then we made two and a half we made three bales and we made three and a half bales well i'm going for bigger and so people are in some places are, are more aggressive with nitrogen and i think they're creating some problems particularly where they got really good water or, or rainfall or irrigation capabilities they may be overdoing it and creating some disease problems and, and bow rot hard lock problems at the end so i I, I, I kind of like, I, I think if there's one element, I, I'm tending to be more conservative than, than being more lavish. I think we both kind of err on the conservative end. And I think overall in production, people tend to air towards the over application and and i everybody I, thinks yeah. they can hit a grand slam every time and that doesn't that doesn't happen right and i'm not sure i'm not sure that for the farmer let's say he's making 12 or 1300 pounds in a good I, I don't know that 
the inputs are really different from 12 or 1300 pounds versus 1600 pounds. I think it's 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 minimal insect pressure and favorable harvest conditions. I think those are, those things we can make the cotton, but we don't always pick the cotton. So right. I mean, in some of our research plots, we've been over three bales with oh, yeah. 90 pounds of cotton. For sure. I mean, with 90 pounds of nitrogen. For sure. Yeah. So. One other, I know we, we've we've had some issues with potassium. Should we consider that as a side dress element? Ideally, you've taken care of potassium applications prior to plant, and you've soil tested, you've gotten it up to the level that it needs to be. That's not always going to be the case. I think some people, I just think it makes them feel better to put some extra potassium out. <laughs> you know, I don't think, I don't expect a yield benefit from that if we've already taken care of our soil test potassium, but I don't think we're going to lose it. It's going to be there unless we're in a deep sandy soil, it's in our bank for next year. Um, so I, you know, again, ideally we've already taken care of it and we're taking care of other issues that could limit potassium deficiency, like compaction. I know you've had some s- several site years of research on potassium side How many times did you see a response? And We've done some with, you know, foliar applications and very rarely do we see a response. I personally have not done any, any research where I've put out um granular you know i put out potash at side dress but i know glenn harris over at georgia has done a lot of that and just not seen a response so if you if you're in a situation where you're seeing potassium deficiency then certainly go ahead and and put it out and, and try to correct that deficiency but again ideally we've already taken care of that by the time um we're doing side dress applications all right i'd like to back up way back to the beginning I've dealt with some farmers who put it all put it all out at planting their total nitrogen approach. What do you think about that? I think a lot of times you're not going to see a difference in yield between putting it out all at plant versus putting it out as a split application. But to me, it's more risky because let's say you did put all 90 pounds out at plant and then you do have significant periods of heavy rainfall and you've got a big chance for loss through leaching and denitrification. I would prefer, I, I know we can be more efficient if we split it, so I would always prefer to see it split, but you know, it's, it's just a little more risky that way. Just this morning, I have two graduate students and I, we, we walked the colors rotation, and it's a fabulous place to look at nutrient deficiencies and on on the three different crops that are there and I know you have responsibility for managing that site talk about that because it's a great learning uh, laboratory that's been there what almost 115 years something like that right it was started in 1911 so 110 years of the colors rotation and um, it was established by George Atkinson and like you mentioned, it's a study where we have different fertility treatments that have been in place for 110 years now. So we use it a lot for teaching students what nutrient deficiency symptoms look like. Um, and we're always happy to have guests out there. If anyone wants a tour, feel free to contact me. Um, we're doing one for the the Alpha um, Ag Expo this year. They're going to come out and do a tour. So um yeah, it's just a great place to see nutrient deficiencies on cotton, soybean, and corn. We have all three out there um, growing each summer. You can see potash deficiency, nitrogen deficiency, uh, phosphorus deficiency, sulfur deficiency, all those all those good things. It's a really fun place to, to look around. And the, the experiment was instituted 
to really explore the question of what they call cotton rust and what explain that. Yeah, so cotton rust, it's not a it's not a true rust disease, but it's the appearance of a rust, a bronzing of the leaves. So back then in the early 1900s, um, there were a lot of questions about what was causing that bronzing appearance. And that's where it was first discovered that that was potash deficiency. So potash deficiency, it causes the yellowing of the outer margins of the leaf, um, but it also allows a lot of disease pressure to come in. Potassium is just really important for overall plant health. And so that was, that was the place where it was discovered. Discovered. And we actually have a historical marker out there at the colors rotation to document that. It's a great learning place. And it's also, we tend to walk it on a weekly basis almost, and, and we see the progression of, of symptoms. Everything can start, most things can start off looking fairly normal. And then with added growth and plant size, you see, you see a separation by treatment. It's a fabulous uh, learning site. Right. I think early in the season, you know, you've got plots that have had one, one-third soil test recommended potassium and two-thirds and early on the season you can't tell too much different the foliage is there but once it's harvest there's almost no lint on those one-third potash plants and and it's yeah there's something different every time of the year even i can pick out some some different things so that that tells you right there it's pretty pretty obvious pretty stark at that site this year we also have a unique uh experiment going on with uh, one of your cohorts, uh, Dr. Alana Jacobson, looking at the interaction with nutrient deficiencies in the cotton leaf roll dwarf virus. It's fascinating to look at the growth inside those cages and even the differences there. So it's a, it's, it's a great learning site. Yeah, I'm curious to see, are there any nutrient deficiencies that will you know, make CLRDV worsen? Yeah. So I'll have to tune in to another episode to find out. Sounds good. <laughs> well, Audrey, this was this was great. We appreciate your time. Steve, thank you for, for helping fill in today. I feel like we, we got a lot discussed, and I know I learned a lot. So yeah, thank hopefully you, other people did. Yes. Thanks for having me. That was fun. All right, we appreciate you all listening to today's episode. As always, if any of us can ever be of any help uh, here at Extension, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.